Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. And good morning, lines are open, 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Email jp at c103.ie or you can tweet at c103cork. Ahead on the show this morning, a lot of talk during the election campaign about the downgrading and changes that were planned for Bantry Hospital. Some people, though, this week, because it hasn't been spoken about, are asking, was that just an election employer? What is actually happening? Well, local doctors are saying, no, certainly it was not and they say they are still continuing to fight any change to the hospital in Bantry. This comes of course on Thursday before everybody voted. A big protest was held in Mallow from the Park Road in Mallow to the Plaza. Locals in North Cork looking for the restoration of the A&E unit for Mallow General Hospital and now in Bantry doctors still continue to fight that nothing will be changed when it comes to Bantry Hospital and there's a, a bigger issue then with Bantry on the geographical location of the hospital and the area it serves uh, the both peninsulas or, or all the peninsulas really and the islands uh, in West Cork so we'll, we'll chat with one Bantry GP this morning on what actually still is happening and why uh, doctors and medics in the area fight for the Uh, Basically for Bantry to remain as it is and no change to services out of Bantry. A lot of calls during the week about petrol and diesel prices and crude oil of course is down Uh, yet many, not all now but many uh, petrol stations still have not reduced their prices so a lot of people are asking why not we got a number of prices from various areas of Cork over the last few days. Uh, East Cork actually came in the best when it comes to low diesel prices but the question everybody is asking is, are certain retailers cashing in on this? Well, the Consumers Association, they want answers. And Michael Kilcoyne from the Association for Consumers, he joins us this morning on what indeed can be done if prices do not come down because they go up very fast, but they don't come down too fast. We're also going to hear how drugs are readily available firsthand in rural communities via social media. We're going to speak with Nicole Ryan from Mill Street, brother of Alex, who died from taking a synthetic drug Now, she is, for the last number of years, going around to schools, educating young people on the dangers of taking drugs. And via her doing that, she is meeting and chatting to young people. And they are telling her 
how widely available drugs are. And when you mention drugs, still to this day, people think that it's in towns, in big towns, and maybe in the odd village and mainly in cities. But it's in very rural areas and it's getting big in very rural areas. And the thing here is that people are now going to social media apps like Snapchat and Instagram to get their drugs and it's no longer the way of ringing someone or meeting someone they can get it so easily now by going and adding a friend on Snapchat and next thing they have the availability to get drugs and also outside of that we've heard surveys and we've heard research coming from Coomvera and other organisations that there is a problem with cocaine in rural Ireland so we're going to speak with Nicole and first hand what she is hearing from people she is speaking to when she is going around and speaking about the, the dangers of drugs and also educating young people on why not to take drugs. We're also going to hear about how Storm Dennis is going to hit Cork this weekend but is it going to cause as much havoc as the headlines suggest? We'll be speaking uh, with Alan O'Reilly of Carla Weather on that and also our movie review as Mark this week went off to see Dr. Doolittle is getting mixed reviews but what was Mark's take find out after 12.30 and also this morning news of uh, Cork City FC uh, how Cork City could uh, be taken over by Preston North End uh, it seems that there's an interest from Preston to have a look anyhow at Cork City it would depend a lot because at the moment Cork City is owned by their supporters Forest so it would need an EGM and are the supporters happy to hand everything over to a UK club the owner of that club is actually already he has investments here in Cork uh, he's a share in Trabalgan he's a stud farm in Canturk so there is an investment in the Cork area already and would this be the next follow-on for that particular owner and take over Cork City. Would it work? There's close ties there at the moment. A number of Cork City players have left and have travelled to play with Preston North End. So is it a a natural fit? Uh, Is there financial woes in Cork City? And do they need this particular takeover to keep the club going? Your views are welcome also on that. If you are, maybe you're a Forest member and you're one of those who are in Forest keeping the club alive, you can let us know. Text or WhatsApp 86 or call Barney 1850-333-103. And across the morning, we will play a Westlife song. A stump stage between now and one, I will play Westlife. And when you hear a Westlife song between now and one, you simply... Just text in your name and details to 86 So text or WhatsApp, name or details, 86 if, if you receive a callback from us, if I ring you back at some stage between 10 and 1 and I ask you a very simple, hopefully it's simple anyhow, Westlife question and you get that particular question right and I have to take your first answer on that. If you get that particular question right, then you are off to see... Westlife this year in Parky Cueve. They play Parky Cueve live on Saturday the 29th of August and every show. There's a, that's the tickets we have uh, for the, for today and that's what we're giving away on every show across the day here at C103. So if you want to go and see Westlife, if you're a big Westlife fan, stick with us at some stage between now and one. I will play a Westlife song. And if you text in and WhatsApp in, and if we pick you, if you're the lucky person to get the call back, then you could be off to Westlife. So stay tuned. There will be a Westlife song between now and one here at C103. And of course, still a lot of talk on the election and what will happen with the formation of a government. And it all changed last night because many uh, were expecting uh, some change within Fianna Fáil that they may uh, talk with Sinn Féin, but no. 
and it has been confirmed the Fianna Fáil leader Michal Martin has come out basically and he has said and ruled out any alliance with Sinn Féin uh, but now that does put pressure on the he's still the Taoiseach leader Varadkar uh, that he did during the week come out and said if his party was needed for numbers uh, they would talk and they, they would support a government for stability in this country uh, they're now looking at either a government formation talk with Fianna Gael or could we be in a situation where we could have another confidence and supply arrangement and it would be like we said during the week it would be Fianna Gael propping up Fianna Fáil uh, it's interesting to see how this will play out because it all depends on numbers of course but the only option is if Fianna Gael Fianna Fáil come together with another party or indeed if they have a confidence and supply arrangement what will happen is anybody's guess that talks are still going Sinn Féin speaking to a number of the parties yesterday like the Social Democrats like the Greens and other parties so as talks happen between all of them at the moment it would look like the only way of forming with the numbers that is is if Fianna Fáil go ahead uh, with Fianna Gael and another party but is that what the people voted for or could we have another confidence and supply agreement anyhow your views are welcome on that it is very much up in the air at the moment and anything could happen 1850 333 103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103 by the way if no one uh, wants to form a government with anybody and it keeps on rolling over and rolling over and we, everybody realises nothing's going to happen here, well then we are all back to the ballot boxes and another vote could be held again to see can they elect or can we elect a government this time around. So it'll be interesting to see what will happen and will we be back uh, voting again and at the council centres or... Uh, will somebody form a government? Uh, your views are welcome. What would you rather? Would you rather everybody go back voting and get what people want it? Or would you just rather a government set up now at this stage for the stability of the country? If the numbers aren't adding up, someone set up a government uh, and see what happens over the next while. Your views are welcome. You can email jp at c103.ie. Something I spotted this morning in the back of the examiner and this is relation to Phoenix Park and seemingly gates to be refurbished at Phoenix Park in Dublin. And these particular gates, they were removed in advance of the visit of Pope Francis. But to get these gates refurbished, it's going to cost over €820,000. The Office of Public Works hopes the gates will be rehung by the end of the year with restoration works on them due to be completed by September. And the reason the figures came out on this, uh, there was um, records obtained following a freedom of information request showing refurbishment of the eight pairs of gates that will cost that amount of money, over 820 k it's a huge amount of money. The OPW has awarded uh, the the contract for this to, I think it's a Dublin-based company. So I suppose at least there's the money is staying locally in the area there. But at the same time, a huge amount of money for gates to be refurbished. And uh, this came, uh, it's an opinion piece I read this morning in the Irish Times. And we had this before when it came to soccer and a bit in GA as well, but... I never came across this from rugby because mainly when we were discussing issues from the sidelines and abuse from the sidelines it would have it always seemed to be from a calls and text relation it was soccer and some GAA uh, but this is something that has been written by Owen Doyle in an opinion piece and he by the way is a, a former test referee and a former IRFU director of referees and he's writing this particular piece because he said it's something that he wish he, he had, that he wasn't writing, but he is, and it's basically something he has seen firsthand at a number of the Linster branch. This is of the IRFU when it comes to all schools in a senior cup quarterfinals, 
and basically from the sidelines uh, and this would be from either players or from supporters and he says a number of schools are involved in this but he's heard here's two examples he's heard from supporters shouting at those playing or, or those involved in the club or in the school one was your father works for my father and another was we pay fees he says first of all this is shameful and there's a gap now between uh, the semi-finals and finals. This gives everybody an opportunity to put their house in order and to demand and ensure that the opposition and the match officials are respected by current and former pupils. He says, otherwise accountability is on the way and it won't be to the school. He said it could end up in a legal matter if people are shouting that type of abuse from the sidelines. But imagine... If you're playing the game or if you're on the sideline or whatever is happening, you're getting abuse from the crowd and one of them is shouting, your father works for my father and other people on about that they pay fees as in they're going to a, a fee-paying school. And that's from rugby. I mean, you'd wonder, that's school's rugby. You'd wonder why are people getting so anxious at the end of the day it's a game and you win games, you lose games, you can have a great season where you're on the high and you're winning and then it can all turn around the next season. You could be losing every match and you could have been up on the on the stage collecting the, the, the trophy or whatever, the medal, uh, one year and you could be sitting at home the next year because you haven't even got to the final. Uh, But yes, that's the joys of winning and losing and it teaches young people in life uh, disappointment and indeed how it can go from disappointment to having fun and winning and also how it can go the opposite way from winning and being disappointed. But it prepares the young people uh, for what is going to hit you in life because regardless of life, you're going to have really fantastic moments and you are uh, going to face disappointments and that's just the joys of life. And it's how you handle uh, the disappointments is, is the bigger thing. And I suppose how you handle celebrations as well. But to hear that type of language used uh, from the sidelines when after all, it is an actual game of rugby and it's a school's game of rugby. And it always seems to be the underage and school's games that people get uh, upset and start roaring that type of abuse at players not too sure why anyhow and your views welcome on that maybe you've come across that here in Cork as well 1850-333-103 and students and this is for all students unfortunately are going to face higher accommodation costs from September so if you're doing your leaving search your son or daughter is or whoever in your family is they are going to face higher accommodation costs and this is a number of universities campuses in Dublin to start with are going to raise their fees by 4% they're still within the rent pressure zones and the lows but they are applying a 4% increase on all uh, their accommodation and that will obviously have a knock-on effect to accommodation outside the campus which will more or less increase as well and then you'll see a similar increase now in all cities and I mentioned rugby there and you might have heard Shane Fitzgerald from Inishallan onto us last week he had what well, he thought he had tickets organised for the Welsh match on last Saturday he promised his young daughter that they would go to the match she's a big rugby fan but unfortunately the tickets fell through and he was doing everything to find tickets luckily we got a call from Bantry Bay Rugby Club they sorted Shane with tickets and he sent us a beautiful photo of his daughter Ella and himself in the Aviva in Dublin who made the particular Welsh game and they had a fantastic time he wants to thank everybody who did their best to find them tickets and especially all in Bantry so well done to Shane and Ella glad you had a great time 1850-333-103 lines are open Bernie takes your calls text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103 we're going to hear from a Bantry GP 
see uh, shortly on the proposed still what is changes and downgrading of Bantry Hospital. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Before the election, there was a lot of talk about the potential downgrading of Bantry Hospital and some this week have contacted us asking, was this an election ploy or what is happening because nothing has been mentioned since the election? Well, doctors are saying it has no ploy and that the fight continues behind the scenes. We had, of course, that protest march in Mallow uh, just before the election to restore A&D services in Mallow General Hospital. Bantry still on the agenda and Dr Paul O'Sullivan, a GP based in Bantry, joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Paul. Hello, John Paul. Thank you very much for having me on. And thanks for joining us. The fight is still going on. I mean, it might not been spoken about a lot over the last number mm. of days, but the fight is going on. What is the current situation here? I mean, you're in the heart of it there. You'll know more than most why the hospital is needed as it is. Okay. Well, Bantry Hospital is uh, over an hour and 20 minutes from CUH by driving. So anybody who, who needs, who's acutely unwell and who needs to be seen within the, the internationally recognised golden hour, essentially, if they're not within an hour of a hospital, then their the chance of survival is very much diminished. Now, um, we cover the, the areas of southwest Cork, including the, the three peninsulas of Beira, Mizzen, and um, uh, Sheep's Head, as well as South Kerry. And that hinterland is 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 well served by Bantry, and we cover all acute medical admissions. Um, without that, and the current proposals is to downgrade Bantry Hospital to... Um, uh, uh, grade two uh, hospital similar to Roscommon, that would mean all acute admissions uh, would be diverted to CUH after 5 p.m. And anybody who's acutely unwell that may require uh, intervention such as ICU would have to be automatically diverted to CUH in any case. Um, so it, it, currently um, the, the, the the, the the campaign is still ongoing. Um, we we it is in a hiatus as we're unsure what is happening with regard to the government, which co- government is coming in, uh, which parties. Um, they have all all the the local uh, Cork Southwest candidates um, and current TDs have given their agreement that they will fight for Bantry Hospital to retain its current status, uh, taking all acute medical admissions uh, 24 hours a day, and they've all signed uh, agreed to sign a pledge to that effect. Um, so currently, uh, like everybody in the country, we are awaiting developments on the political front as to which party or parties will be in government and who will be uh, who will be Minister for Health. Um, so uh, the, the campaign is still very much on. The people are 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 watching developments and uh, watching the news, but at the moment we are at the mercy of events elsewhere. And you mentioned there about the hospital in Roscommon and the various models. When the HSC were communicating with us before the election, they more or less were saying that the hospital in Bantry was, was it operating as a Model 2 or was it a Model 2 hospital operating as a Model 3 is what they were more or less saying. Well, I, I, I'm not sure where, where the HSC are getting their, their information. Uh, Bantry Hospital uh, operates as an acute uh, general hospital. It takes all medical admissions 24 hours a day. Um, they, they, the HSC previously downgraded the surgical service to um, essentially a 9 to 5 um, service, so they couldn't take any acute surgical admissions, they had to go to CUH. Now, they gave commitment that there would be no further downgrading of Bantry Hospital then, which is in the mid-2000s. mid, mid 2000s. Obviously, they've gone, They let's just say they have 
uh, forgotten about that pledge. And uh, I think their ultimate agenda is to downgrade Bantry Hospital completely to to essentially a nine to five service with no acute admissions um, beyond those times. And everybody has to be sent to Cork irrespective of where they are or what their medical condition is. And we are very concerned, all the GPs are very concerned that we will be seeing patients who will be beyond um, assistance by the time they reach COH because of the distance they have to travel. We have patients who may be two, two and a half hours by road to get to COH. Now, their chances of survival are much, much better if they can get to Bantry, which is um, maybe only an hour or slightly less for them. And if you, you tell, if you put to these people that they're now living where their chance of survival from acute medical conditions is much, much less than what you're saying is these people aren't, uh, basically they aren't worth, they're worth less than all other citizens of Ireland. That's where they live, that they, they, the people who make the decisions in Dublin, where they have five major hospitals within a 10-mile radius, and out here where the only hospital is Bantry, the next hospital to the west of us is in Nova Scotia. So we, we, are, we are at the end of everything, and uh, the people who make decisions, they don't really care. They don't really care about Irish citizens out here. Um, and those that may, are making these decisions, we had, as you mentioned there, back around 2011, there was a similar case. I think it was uh, James Riley was Minister at the time for Health mm-hmm. and he wasn't coming forward uh, to discuss that with us at the time. And it's seemingly every five years, it always seems to happen around an election time. But why then is that someone allowed within either the HSC or the Department of Health uh, to go and look again at Bantry and try to change it, knowing that it's needed because of the geographical location? Surely after this, uh, they should be told you leave things as it is and stop these reviews you're doing every five years? Unfortunately, the HSE has never accepted Bantry as a a hospital that is needed due to geographical location. It doesn't fit in any of its nice boxes. Um, I mean, certainly when you look at Roscommon, Roscommon is, you know, within its radius, it's a number of acute medical hospitals. So we, 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 the people, if Roscommon, its A&E was, was, was taken away, they could go elsewhere like Galway or, or Castlebar or Athlone or whatever. Out here, the only hospital elsewhere they can go to is in COH, which is an hour and a half drive away. The only hospital to the west of us, as I said, is in Canada. We are it. Um, and you're going to leave a huge hole in the the medical in, in the capability of the health service. In other words, it would be almost like a, a a dead zone where people, if you live in this area, your chances of recovering from an acute medical event are much much less. So that's why people here are fighting and fighting for decades to keep Bantry Hospital open. Because if you have, say, for example, a stroke where your chances of survival and return to full health are much better if you receive a medical intervention called thrombolysis, but it has to be given within an hour. And if if you can't have that, your chances of recovering from the potential damage of a stroke is much, much less, and you could be left with severe life-changing injuries uh, or, or, um, or, or problems due to that stroke, which could have been dealt with just by keeping Bantry Hospital open. 
And could this, if this was to happen or if the talks continue for this to happen, could it destroy the out-of-hours service for GPs if the Bantry model was to be changed and also collapse the entire GP system in, in the area? It certainly will. I mean, what I work in South Dock, many of my colleagues work in South Dock. We are, as I said, we are an hour and a half from Cork. We travel to areas, say, in the Sheepshead, in in uh, Beira, in Mizzen, where you are two, two and a half hours. You see people who are acutely unwell. If we had to send people to Cork, that means the acute ambulances in the West Cork area are then lost because they have to travel to Cork. So you take in uh, three hours for an ambulance and that disappears off the board and they may have to wait further if they're seen, if they have to hand over the patient. So we may be left with an acute unwell patient where we have no ambulances, emergency ambulances, or any that can be tasked, have to be come from maybe North Cork, Kerry, Limerick, um, East Cork. Um, the other thing is that um, GPs, because there's such acute um, danger involved, that they may not, they may say, "I don't want to get involved. I don't want to work in such conditions." And we can, and we are finding it. In, very difficult to attract young GPs to work in rural areas anyway because the, the terms and conditions are so difficult and they would prefer either to work in the cities or else emigrate. And can you imagine if you tell somebody you are it, there's the chance of getting an acute ambulance is less than anywhere else. You will be required to stay with a patient who is acutely unwell, who may be dying, um, it will be up to you at the end of the day, and you may you may be waiting with that patient for hours, trying to keep them alive while the ambulance arrives. You wouldn't get a lot of young GPs flocking to the no, area knowing that. No, I mean, that, as you say, they want to be in urban areas where it's a lot easier life, and they mm-hmm. they're looking at work life balance like everybody is, mm-hmm. and it certainly won't be that way if yeah. this was to happen. So, you guys overall, I mean, I know you're waiting now to see if a government can be formed, and you have the support of the those elected in Cork Southwest, but you're obviously going to remain worried until you know exactly that this is off the cards, because at the end of the day, it's going to be the HSC and the Department of Health who seemingly will make the decision and they seem to be held bent and they have done this for the last five to ten years mm-hmm. on changing the model for some reason or another they're not grasping what you guys are saying mainly yeah. because they're pin pushers in a different part of the country but still they're not grasping the geographic location on what actually no. is happening on the ground No I, 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 I tell the story many times to people I had uh, a gentleman who worked in the HG, HSC um, two years ago himself and his partner had rented a, a house just for a long weekend. They brought their young child. We were called to see the child one evening. The child had meningitis. We thought it meningitis, and it needed, we couldn't get an ambulance to the child to bring to COH. That gentleman had to take his own child in his car, in unfamiliar roads, to get to COH. And he came, the child was, was well afterwards, um, uh, thankfully. But that gentleman came back to me, and he says, that is the first time I realised what remote means like when my own flesh and blood was under threat and I had to drive all the way from where I was to CUH. Only then did it hit them what it means to be remote. 
but it hasn't hit the guys that are still trying to no, make this decision no, now again. No, no, no. Uh, even after something like that. So uh, obviously the campaign remains and uh, all the, the GPs and everybody in the area are going to continue the fight. Uh, we'll stay in touch and see what happens uh, with this. We hopefully, uh, Dr. Paul, that the HSC will have some common sense. And if there's anybody listening this morning uh, from either the Department of Health or the HSC, uh, that they are hearing this and that they realised whatever they are trying to do is just simply the wrong decision. I'm sure everybody can see that uh, and there's other countries who are like Ireland but they still have hospitals like Bantry in remote areas so uh, hopefully things will stay as they are but we'll stay in touch Dr Paul and thank you thank for speaking you to us much. this morning thank you very uh, much. that is uh, Dr Paul O'Sullivan there uh, joining us this morning he's a, a GP based in Bantry and a lot of people on to us at the start of the week and again uh, today and, and yesterday asking well, what is the latest on Bantry Hospital was it just to scare people around the election or what was happening that is the reality uh, even though it wasn't mentioned a lot this week GPs and everybody else in the background are still fighting to make sure that Bantry Hospital stays as it is. Anyhow, your views are welcome. 1850 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 You can email jp at c103.ie. All week people are annoyed about the petrol and diesel prices. Some stations have reduced their prices but it seems the majority hasn't so are retailers cashing in? We'll speak with the Consumer Association next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 And just in our discussion there with Dr. Paul O'Sullivan, a GP based in Bantry, number of comments in. First of all, Heidi saying, it's not the HSC or their relations that are being put at risk. It's us that live in these areas. So it's good that we are all fighting to keep the upgraded Bantry Hospital. HSC don't care it's not affecting them it's about time they started listening to the doctors on the ground that know the reality of the situation says Heidi on WhatsApp to 0862103103 while Michael in Castleton Bear is saying he hasn't or he hadn't heard Dr Paul give the air ambulance a mention is he anti the air ambulance he should be driving the qualities of the service says Michael well I suppose it never came up in the conversation the main issue here is Bantry Hospital and whereas the air ambulance are doing fantastic work and I'm sure everybody does support them uh, the, the issue here really is to keep Bantry as it is regardless of if there's an air ambulance or not and as we know the air ambulance have been very open saying that they have their own uh, financial woes as well and they have been grounded for a number of days because of the financial woes they've had and many have said the government should step in there uh, to them and help them out anyhow uh, Michael thank you for your, your WhatsApp I'm sure everybody would support the ambulance but I think the situation here is to keep Bantry uh, as it is Anyhow, thank you for your text. You can text 0862103103 or you can call Bernie on 185333103. Now, a lot of talk, you would have heard us this week mentioning and discussing petrol and diesel prices and listeners are telling us the best value for money across Cork and East Cork was coming out on top. And in fairness, there is some petrol and diesel prices who are reducing uh, the price, but the majority are not. And many are asking the prices, uh, why are they not dropping as fast as they increase? Michael Kilcoyne joins me from the Consumer Association. Michael, good morning to you. Good morning to you. Uh, Michael, many feel that at this stage, some retailers, not all now, but some retailers have become opportunistic. Are they right? Well, I wish I knew, and sometimes I feel that myself. Uh, I just don't understand uh, why when petrol prices drop, uh, our diesel prices drop, the price doesn't drop at the pumps. And as soon as uh, petrol prices or diesel prices talk about increasing, 
they immediately go up at the pumps. So I, I'm just mystified as to why that happens um, on such a regular basis. Yeah, because crude prices now, they're at their lowest in two years. And what everybody is saying, and I'm sure you're hearing this as well, when they go up, we see the prices in the pumps increase more or less after a day or two. But when they go down, they don't go down initially, that they'll go down after a week or so. Now, we had one person earlier on in the week, I'm not too sure if he was working within uh, the fuel industry or not, but he was saying if a diesel or petrol station buys in let's say 10,000 or more bulk of fuel uh, that they will wait until that's gone before they will reduce the price but as everybody is saying if it's the other way around again the example is they don't they increase Correct. after a day the or two the price goes up immediately if it goes up uh, tonight at, uh, by, by, by 3 cents it's up tomorrow at the pump by 3 cents even though he didn't buy it in since the price went up and that's what galls most consumers and I'm saying that I think it's time that this industry was looked at by the Competition and Consumer Commission um, because it's an industry that uh, is shrouded in mystery, if I put it that way. And And what could they do, Michael? What would you be looking for? Well, I I want them to examine why, when prices rise, at the pumps, they go up. And and for some, uh, when prices on the crude market um, and, and the market... Uh, when they rise, it goes up at the pumps, and when it drops uh, on the market, for some mysterious reason, it fails to drop at the pumps. That's what I want to know. And it fails to drop at the pumps in most stations, and that bothers me. And would you think that maybe some are operating a cartel, that sometimes everybody is, is charging the same price? Well, uh, it's that, that's not my area to examine, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm calling on the competition. And to do that. To do that and examine that and find out exactly what is happening and what's the cause of the problem. And uh, would you like to see more competition in that particular market? I know it's a, it's a tough market to get into and there's a lot of cost involved, uh, but would you like to see more new businesses? And there is a few coming in now and more opening because we, we do seem to have a situation here in Cork anyhow where, without mentioning names, we do have a lot of the same brands in every town whereby if there was more new, which there is gradually coming in, it might give more competition because you have a different operator. Yeah, that's true. But of course, we don't help ourselves as consumers. You know, we 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 like to blame everybody else, but we we never want to take responsibility ourselves. So, can I tell you? I'll ask you this question, maybe. Um, how many times have you seen um, a petrol uh, station say that selling it, for example, at one thirty-five hmm. a liter for for diesel or petrol, and down the road there's a guy selling it at one thirty-eight or one forty. And there's a queue down the road at the guy that's selling it for one forty, and there's no one up the road at the to the guy that's selling it at one thirty-five. So I'm saying to you that we, as consumers, don't help ourselves. Prices are displayed so that we can see. We don't even have to drive into the petrol station to see what the prices are being are being charged. These prices are displayed outside, so that when you're passing, you can see that this guy is two or three cents a litre higher than somebody else. And yet, you'll pass them out and go to the more expensive place. So I'm saying to you, consumers, uh, they are responsible themselves to a certain extent for for what's happening. Maybe we're just creatures of habit and we go to the same petrol station every time because it's convenient, there's space there, we know we can get in and out without uh, trying to get around other cars. And regardless of price, people are going, oh no, this is handy, I'll, I'll just go here. But then obviously that is, as you mentioned, keeping things uh, on the high. Correct. And in the meantime, they'll complain to me or they'll ring you or they'll, you know, 
uh, and they complain about the price when they're contributing and making it more profitable for the guy that's charging the high high price and the guy that's charging the low price is left with his fuel. Yeah, so shop around is, is the, the key correct, thing. Like everything correct. else, uh, people need to shop around. And of course, yeah. here in this country, then even though we give on about what's happening in the Middle East with crude oil or wherever, uh, we do pay a lot of tax in, on our fuel as well. So, Savage uh, tax yeah. on, on fuel. Savage tax, one of the highest taxes in the world between excise duty and VAT. Um, I mean, if, if that disappeared off it, um, there, there would, the price of... of, of um, oil at, or fuel at the pump would, would drop to about 60% of what it is. Yeah, because I had a lot of listeners yesterday comparing between Russia, for example, and Ireland, but it is yeah. the, the cost of tax is why ours are so dear. It is. Uh, not not initially to do with crude yeah. oil, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of the greatest tax. So with this, as we, we don't have a lot of control because it is something we're importing uh, from other regions of the world, it is up to consumers to shop around. If you keep going to the same petrol diesel station, you are going to end up in a situation whereby you will have high prices. But if you, like our, our listeners at East Cork, uh, that were going to the cheaper options, they felt then that the other petrol stations were reducing their prices Correct. because they were going around. around. Yeah, so you're like everything. Ar- you're shopping around and if the guy with the high price because he only has to sell less petrol to make a bigger profit than the guy who's charging the low price. If he turns around and and, and uh, um, sees that there's nobody coming into his store because he's charging high prices, he'll soon adjust his prices. And is it something like a fuel regulator that we need in this country or somebody to, to overlook it to make sure everything no, is no. being done? Well, we, d- we don't need another regulator. Yeah. We need the competition authority to get out and do his job. And watch how things are done. And watch how things are done. And if there's if there's no, I mean, if there's an, some logical explanation as to why this has happened, well, then tell us what it is. Yeah, don't be so secretive. Tell people why the prices are at this Correct. price, and, and if they're not, Correct. lower them. Okay, Michael, good to chat. Uh, thank you for that. That is Michael Kilcoyne there from the Consumer Association over for some diesel and petrol stations. Anyhow, why the prices still remain high despite oil dropping on the international market, still paying a high price here at our petrol and diesel stations. But as Michael says, if you shop around and go to the cheaper option nearby, it might it just might reduce them in your town. Anyhow, uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens over the next course of the few days and maybe the Competition Authority might look into how they operate in the fuel industry. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. C103 on the way. Your calls and comments after C103 News at 11. Along with, we're going to hear how drugs are readily available firsthand in rural communities, but it's via social media and social media apps such as Snapchat and Instagram. Anyhow, that. And indeed, what we could expect this weekend with Storm Dennis on the way. Your calls and comments are welcome this morning. 18. 53313103 it looks like unless they come together with Fianna Gill or could we go back to a confidence and supply arrangement where Fianna Foyle this time are in the lead uh, no one really knows what couldn't happen or what will happen because uh, numbers aren't adding up anyhow and with all of that 
Uh, a lot of texts in regarding that. Here's a sample of them. First of all, John saying, it'll be a disaster if we have a Fianna Gael government again. Well, I don't think that will happen, but they could. We could end up, though, John, having a situation whereby uh, Fianna Gael could be involved some way with the government. But will there be a grand coalition? Will Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil come together? Maybe they will. We'll have to wait and see. Anyhow, John says, I would prefer Sinn Féin first. We would then get our pension at 65, says John, because that's something they promised uh, pre-election. Also, uh, on this, another person here texting in saying, on the shambles we have after our recent election, the reason being is because we have been living a lie over the past number of years. All this talk about us being brought back from the brink, it's not true. The gap between rich and poor has widened and the banks won't lend to the less well-off. So the gap continues to widen. That's a good point, actually. We have so many people uh, who want to buy their own first home or even second home and just simply cannot do so. Now they might get some type of a mortgage from the bank, but as you say, it won't be enough to purchase a home, considering house prices, no matter where you are in Cork City and County, are so high. And if the bank are going to give you so much money, let's say if the bank are saying, yeah, we'll give you a mortgage for 80,000 or 100,000, I mean, where... And if you have a deposit for, for more, if you have a 20 grand deposit, I mean, 120 isn't going to buy you a, a house in many areas of Cork. It might in some areas, but not in a lot of areas. So, yeah, that is a good point. And then you have people who are buying the houses at 300,000 or more. And yeah, I suppose that is causing a rich and poor gap to widen. So that's a good point. Uh, thank you uh, for your text to 0862103103. On the road safety cameras we spoke about yesterday and again during the week, Sandy saying if the new speed cameras are able to detect speeding vehicles at 750 metres, it will or should have a major effect on speed reduction and fatalities. Old cameras were only affected at 50 metres or less. 750 metre is a prox and give a little chance of slowing down enough to avoid detection if speeding on winding rural roads uh, says Sandy. Uh, well that's what they're, they're saying is an approx anyway that they will be able to capture people uh, further out on a distance level but uh, will it, will the ultimate aim is to cut down on speeding and that is the aim that the, that the Gardaí are saying uh, the one thing is and we had discussed this as well during the week some people just feel it's a bit unfair when it comes to these particular cameras that on some roads they're placed on fast lanes and people are being caught for overtaking a vehicle in a fast lane and they could be just caught for being 5k over the limit or 10k over the limit and they feel that is unfair and these fast lanes never have accidents so they're supposed to be placed in accident black spots so that's the other uh, side of the road safety cameras anyhow Sandy thank you for your what's our text to 0862103103 on the issue of fuel prices we discussed there just before 11 o'clock and this was on certain fuel stations having lower prices and then some fuel stations uh, still remaining on a high price regardless of uh, the crude oil prices being reduced and are at a lower level than they were. Anyhow, on this, Tim is saying why don't you call a spade a spade? Fuel stations are abusing this situation. They basically are not complying with price regulations to their benefit at the consumer's expense. We as consumers should express this to fuel stations either verbally or in written form. If no one is acting, there certainly won't be a change. Well, that's exactly what Michael Kilcoyne was saying from the Consumer Association, Tim. He was saying that uh, people need to shop around and if there is a particular petrol diesel station charging a lower rate, we'll go there. But what happens 
happens is a lot of the time, from what he can see, people remain loyal to a particular petrol station because it's easy to get in and out of and they won't go to the one that might be in, in maybe a tighter outfit, even though it's a cheaper petrol price. And that is why the prices are not coming down as regard right into the fuel stations. It would be the actual uh, fuel company you have the right to. A lot of the fuel stations, it would be whoever they get their fuel from. So it would be the actual names of the, the fuel service provider uh, you would have to go to. But I think Michael was was right in saying if people do shop around, it may change. But you're, you're right, Tim. Yeah, it is, it is up to the consumers to express their views to the fuel stations, um, either verbally or written. But I, I think... Uh, to the, the local fuel owner I don't know how much control they have over their price it's usually determined by the overall company isn't it on, on what they charge uh, at, a, at a given level uh, but yeah you're right Tim it's something that people do need to, to act on uh, if change won't come which it doesn't seem to be coming on anyhow and that there's no overall official regulator for the fuel industry that is what uh, not that they're looking for another, another regulator but for the Consumer and Protection Commission to basically look into what is happening within the fuel industry. And another texter here is saying there's a particular petrol station that doesn't display the prices when the prices are high, but also shows it when it's cheaper. I got caught twice there, never again. And uh, on the issue of staying with petrol prices, uh, this is from Jessica, who was saying, petrol prices really frustrate me because where I live, everything is the same. It goes from 133 to 134. And if one petrol station jumps up to 135, the other will follow and vice versa when they bring them down. So there's no choice really for me. Then I go elsewhere in the country and I do see choice. I do see some areas whereby you can see petrol for 135 and then you'll also see another station nearby for 125. I just feel here in Cork we don't have enough choice. And Jeremiah also agreeing with a point made earlier in the show that we have too many of the same big petrol fuel companies in our towns whereby you can have two or three of the same brand in the town and that's not allowing for competition either says Jeremiah and on the issue of the gates and these are the gates um, at Phoenix Park and they're going to replace these particular gates because they need replacing I presume but it's the cost and the taxpayer is going to be left with the cost of this they're going to refurbish these gates and they're going to cost over 820k and it's the Dublin company now has got the work for this but it's the OPW has handed out the work and the cost is it's just a very high uh, cost to refurbish uh, gates in Phoenix Park anyhow uh, Faulkner McCarthy Engineering have been on they say that price is outrageous we are making gates every day and to repair gates for that money is robbing the taxpayer again uh, say the gang there in Faulkner McCarthy Engineering and that is what was uh, has been obtained from the Freedom of Information request that shows that these particular pair of gates will cost over 820k uh, to refurbish the gates were removed in advance of the visit of Pope Francis and now that they're going to be restored by the end of the works which is due to be completed by September that is the cost over €820,000 so if you're ever in Dublin after September go up and look at those gates because you pay for them uh, with your money in taxes anyhow uh, thank you for your text there the gang in uh, Faulkner McCarthy Engineering 1850 you can text on WhatsApp 0862 103 103 on the way 
We are going to be looking ahead to Storm Dennis at the weekend. It's going to bring some very wet and windy weather. There's a yellow weather warning from Saturday at 3am until Monday at midday. That is on the way between now and midday. And something I spotted in Dunmanway and well done because the gang in Dunmanway Library at Christmas, they had a fantastic Christmas display and they've done the same for Valentine's Day. Yes, they have a fantastic display for Valentine's Day. Lovely hearts and books wrapped up in beautiful wrapping paper, which I think is flowers or roses on them. But the reason that they've done all this is because they want people to rekindle their passion in reading this Valentine's Day. And they're doing this by having a blind date with a book. They're asking people to call in to the Manuel Library and choose a mystery book from their display. The display you'll see on the window and basically all the books are wrapped up so you don't know what's behind the wrapping. Obviously, you don't know if you go in and take a book, what book you're going to get. But what a fantastic idea, first of all, to get people back reading, but also to get people in and interested again in the library if they may have fallen out of love with books they might fall back in love with a blind date with a book so well done to all the gang there in Dunmanway Library we have pictures sent in to us by the gang so we might uh, post them on our Facebook and Twitter later uh, in the day and from a good side to romance to a bad side we had a big discussion yesterday on online scams on the show and phone scams well this is a scam that is going around at the moment they're called romance scams and what can happen is on social media and it happened to a lady in Northern Ireland whereby you can be befriended by a man on social media this lady was three years ago and then a relationship developed online they were obviously chatting I don't think she met him and then uh, for some reason this particular person said and asked her to send money so he could send his children to school in England and obviously she was head over heels about this particular person after a number of months chatting and she did she sent him money and then after she sent the first batch of money he then asked her for more money for investments in Ghana and Dubai and then she sent him more money but of course the money was disappearing from her account anyhow after a while uh, on this it went to the PSNI in Northern Ireland they investigated this with their fraud unit and all of this really had a, a devastating impact on the victim you know, the woman who never came forward publicly she wants to remain anonymous she sent a total of 300,000 euros to different accounts at the man's request and the thing is with online and it's called an online romance scam the either whatever uh, face it was a Facebook Instagram whatever she was chatting to him on it was social media uh, basically it could have been anybody I mean he could have put a picture up of any guy and if she thought that guy was good looking and she thought there was a, a a chance here to meet him and there was a romantic interest she pursued that by giving him money to help him because she thought they were going to end up a couple and he was the lover for her life and she loved the look of him and the person could have been a total different looking person could be using a fake uh, photo or whatever uh, but she had no idea anyhow she got sucked into that particular scam uh, she lost over 300,000 euros after sending that to a particular man's account I'm sure uh, some of that would be given back to her that uh, a lot of this was being investigated by the uh, fraud squad in the PSNI but just a word of warning if you are getting friend requests or you know somebody who may be chatting to someone online and you, you are questioning why that person might be sending them money or why they're having strange conversations just be aware that is happening it's called online romance scams and at this time of the year and especially today of all days 
they can target people uh, because some people find it very hard if they're single on Valentine's Day they find it hard uh, to be single and they're looking at their friends who are doing X, Y and Z for Valentine's Day and going out having meals staying in uh, they're looking at their friends buying roses rushing out to buy various things for their uh, either wife or partner or, or, or whatever or husband or whatever the relationship they, they are in and, and they're looking at this and they're saying oh, I have no one to buy anything for and then they're online and this guy or girl pops up and the rest is history so it could be a scam so just be aware of that uh, online romance scams uh, going around and today is the day where they hit C103 Jobs and on today's job spot, we have opportunities for a full-time food service assistant wanted for a kitchen in Banlean. Experience in cooking and catering is required. Send your CV to mike.osullivan at selectsgo.com. Cook and kitchen assistant is wanted for a restaurant opening shortly in the Mill Street area. Experience is essential. Send your CV or cover letter to sharkull at gmail.com. And a housekeeper is wanted for one day per week in the Greater Kenturk area. Duties to include cooking, cleaning and general housekeeping tasks. Uh, Ola Transport is essential there. Uh, just call or text 086. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. One nine one two seven four eight, and there are just some of the job opportunities today. You'll find more now online. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. We have heard from Gardaí, Coonvera and others that drugs are now readily available in rural Ireland. But how readily? Well, Nicole Ryan founded Alex Adventure after the death of her brother and she joins me. Good morning, Nicole. Hi, good morning. How and are you? I'm Grant and thanks for joining us this morning. Now, I know the last time we spoke you were doing a lot of work visiting schools and visiting young people in education about the dangers of drugs. And is it from that work that you are getting feedback on now how drugs are becoming readily available in rural Ireland? Because always there's a perception that it's the, the villages, the towns, big towns and cities where you have to get drugs. But with social media now, it is readily available anywhere really, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's massive. Um, it's always kind of been in rural Ireland, but it's just not been highlighted as much because the cities always kind of take more precedence, really. But it's massive, yeah. It's feedback from schools, feedback from areas, and people within the community. Um, no, no place hasn't been touched by it, really. 
And what's happening is that the fact that social media apps, there's so many of them now, like Snapchat and Instagram, uh, that you can add people to, especially Snapchat, where a conversation will disappear uh, after you move on to, to another conversation, that they can organise to get the drugs delivered or meet the person and the evidence isn't there online. I'm sure it is somewhere in a cloud somewhere, but on, on the actual phone, it's not there. Yeah, it's it's scary stuff. Like, um, And it's mad because you don't have to go looking online, like on Snapchat or Instagram or something. It kind of just kind of pops up if you're, because I was following something completely unrelated to um, drugs. And it was just a page I was following, but they were promoting this other person. So I just thought, oh, this can't be real. So I added that person and all of a sudden I was exposed to just basically like them promoting and selling like you would anything else, kind of different types of drugs. And, you know, if you just send them a message, they will meet you or, you know, um, arrange to meet you and tell you how much X and Y Z is costing. And then they'll promote other pages. So it's kind of like a, it was like a, once you get in, you can see all these other types of people who are also selling stuff. So it's like a page on social media on one of the apps, and once you click on one, then you're more or less offered, do you want X, Y, Z, and you can go and collect it from wherever. Yeah, kind of, yeah. It's, it's quite scary. Oh, that, is. <laughs> that is, because if you had anybody who was uh, in way of thinking about even doing drugs or had a conversation, and next thing this pops up, I mean, it's very easy to lead someone down the wrong path. Very easy, yeah. Um, it's just so readily available. It's it's not something that, you know, people just think that is in big cities. It's, it's everywhere. So you're at the moment in a lot of schools and speaking to young people about the dangers of drugs. I mean, do you feel when you're in and out of the schools that people are opening up to you more? I suppose you're, you're not their teacher. You're not in the school every day. Uh, and are they telling you exactly what's happening on the ground? And are they the ones who are also getting these messages? Um, I suppose, yeah, like, as in, because I'm an external person, it just works for kind of everyone at the moment, teachers and students. Um, but the students just feel comfortable, yeah, because you have to kind of remember that, like, a student's like 16 or whatever, and if I have my English teacher teaching me every single day of the week, and then all of a sudden she's talking about drugs or sex or something like that, it makes a young person feel really awkward, whereas me, they'll never see again most of the time. So they can just tell me whatever they want. Um, and it's usually kind of after the workshops, they'll email or message or whatever. Um, but they, they're they very aware of the stuff out there because they all use Snapchat. They're of that era and generation. So to them, it's like kind of not nothing new. <laughs> and is there any particular app that you get this offer more than others? No, no. Any any matter. social media site doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And when you were in the schools, have people told you they've been offered drugs on Snapchat or Instagram or whatever? Um, they wouldn't tell me that they've been offered mm. as per se, but like they, they are aware that it's there. They know that people are selling stuff on Snapchat or on Instagram. And you're obviously there to explain the dangers of taking drugs. And I presume when you are in the school, you're outlying what you have seen yourself with your own family and the death of your brother. Does that actually open up their their minds to how dangerous drugs are? And does it give them a new perspective of staying away from drugs? Can you see that instantly when when you are telling the story to them? Uh, Yeah, it really does. It hits home with them and it makes them really think about other external factors that they might have not thought about. because they're really young and they're living in the here now, they don't really understand consequences as a thing that they look at. But to them, yeah, it's been massive. Like the last couple of schools that I've been with, I've just started working with a fantastic school in Utreach and Bellancolic. Um, and even there, they're very open and they're very clued in as well. They're fantastic students. So um, 
it really does hit home with really loads of different people um, and loads of different students as well. And the big thing out of this is a split decision can impact so many lives. So if there is a party or something on and your friends are all chanting this particular drug and they're going to you, ah, just go on, just have a half of this drug. It won't do anything to you. Go on, just chance the chance and the peer pressure is on. Uh, but that could go the wrong way for one particular person in that group and everything can change in seconds. Exactly. All it takes is just that split second. And I suppose young people kind of it's kind of monkey see, monkey do. So, like, if my friend's taking it and they're fine, I'll be fine. And that's the kind of conception. But they don't remember that these are chemicals and everybody's different and how they react to things, even medicines. So what their friend takes and they take, they can have completely two different experiences. So it's about being aware that, like, these are chemicals and they will react to your body. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be the same. And Nicole, parents as well, they have a role to play in all of this. I mean, some try and shelter their children and they, some of them have no idea really what is going on out there. But especially if drugs now are on social media, there's nothing to say that your son or daughter could be sitting across the way from you at the kitchen table on one of those social media sites and organising to meet up with somebody to buy drugs. I mean, keeping them at home the whole time and sheltering them could be the, wouldn't be the best way to handle the situation either. Uh, yeah, I suppose like it's really hard because as a parent, I'm not a parent, so I can't really speak from massive experience myself. But I can understand that like you're a parent and you're scared. Like you're there's so much going on in the world right now, and there's so many things that are coming at them from every angle. But there's a real danger if let's say we're planning every activity and everything through our kids' lives, and then when they leave, they're suddenly faced with all these choices, and they have no real direction because they haven't really had to make choices all their lives per se. Um, so now they start making these choices, but they might not make wise ones because they just don't know how. So I suppose it's about opening that conversation and educating yourself as a parent because I do parental workshops with parents all the time. And, you know, they'll come in and they'll be like, oh, yeah, sure, we've been there, we've done, you know, we've we've seen it all. And they come out learning something massively new because it changes so quickly. And just to try and stay on top of that is, is really a job in its own. So for parents, it's about opening that conversation because I always say that when my brother died, like, you can blame anybody, but we're also to blame as a family because we had this conception, which I'm sure a lot of listeners will have too, is that he knows drugs are bad, that's it. And every young person knows drugs are bad, but that doesn't stop them from trying or being curious or experimenting or any of these other things. So it's better to have that conversation so that your child knows, okay, so if I am faced with this decision, maybe I can go talk to my parents and they might give me some good advice. Yeah, because as you say, when everybody's at a party together or wherever they are and everybody's doing it, uh, you you could be tempted. But that one time could change everything, as you know, as well as a family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the work you were doing at the moment, I mean, you visited a number of schools. Are those schools, not only here in Cork, you're nationwide as well. You're, you're travelling across the country. Yeah, I've always been travelling across the country. Yeah, <laughs> So, yeah, I've been working in the west, in the east. I've actually, the only place I've never gone to is the north. But I'm pretty much all over the place at the moment. And are you finding from the school's reaction afterwards that the, the students there are benefiting from your talk because you have first-hand experience and you're, you're showing exactly how a family can change after something like this happens? Are, are the teachers, are you getting good feedback on, on, on what you're doing? I am. I got great feedback from my teachers. I got great feedback from students. And one of the most amazing things that happened was I got feedback from a student that I had taught three years ago 
who's now in college, and he had met me just on a random night out and didn't know who I was, and began telling me about how he had met me before when he was younger in school. And to me, that was so surreal because, you know, here he was growing up, he's gone through school, he's now in college, and he still remembers what I told him three years previous. Well, that's good. If it sticks in the mind like that, that means you're doing your job well. I know we, we mentioned Coon Vera there earlier and, and others like the Guardian, and I know that cocaine has a huge usage at the moment, unfortunately, of cocaine across the country, but especially in rural areas. And one parent here, uh, this is Deirdre, who's quite worried because uh, she knows her, her sons and daughters are good, but she does know some of their friends would chance anything. And that's her biggest worry as they move to college next year. She says, is it a good idea or a bad idea for parents maybe to start the conversation, but also... So should parents be randomly checking uh, students when they come home to make sure they don't have any any drugs on them in their school bags or or their coats or should they do this without their uh, sons or daughters knowing it? I mean, what's, what's your view on that, Nicole? Would you be want to be more open? Um, I feel like, like, I just try and put yourself back into that scenario, you know? Like, imagine if your mom, like my mother, if I came home, my mother said, looking through my stuff, I would freak out. I would. And that will deter me from ever telling her anything. The, prob- the thing with young people is like, if I can go to my parents and give them, ask them a question and they don't retaliate and they don't start screaming, shouting at me, then that opens that doorway for me to ask them other questions. And maybe they'll give me good advice. And now as a parent, this is very difficult because if your child is coming up to you and said, I did a bag of coke last night, your first instinct is to retaliate and start shouting and screaming. But clench your fist, walk away, have that, 10 minute internal moment of screaming and shouting come back to them and then they'll start opening up to you and you'll start seeing their point of view and you can then you have that communication and that communication because they'll come with you to you with other things but if you block that communication resource with them and you know you're searching their bags you're searching their rooms and if they find that out that's it like you've lost your window Mm, your trust is gone hopefully yeah a couple of years before they might come back around yeah, and it could be too late within that couple of years. Yeah. Uh, so you continue on, Nicole, with what you're doing, great work uh, around uh, schools across the country, highlighting the dangers of drugs. And I think uh, from listening to your stories there with the uh, the guy that you, you spoke to three or four years ago and he still retained what he said, I think you're doing great work there. How are you and your family, Nicole, uh, doing now? It's, it's four years, was it four years last month um, since is, the passing yeah. of Alex? So how are you doing as a family? It's still difficult difficult every day um i don't think it'll ever not be difficult for us um for anybody that's lost anybody they'll understand um we just we live with it you know you just kind of build around it um but every year the anniversary is it's a i think the anticipation is far worse the actual day because the day is quite nice we do a certain type of thing we go to see him we go for lunch and we come home um but you know every day i miss him every single day and sometimes I'll see people that kind of look like him for a second and then you know you kind of think oh is that him but it's not and sometimes you still you still wait for him to come in the door but he doesn't yeah, it's very tough, very tough for you guys. But I think what you're doing, Nicole, uh, with Alex Adventure, I think he will be very proud of you and that others now are aware of the dangers of drugs, but also that you've set up uh, Alex Adventure w- with his name. I think he'd be very proud uh, and that you're helping other families as well who may be in the situation uh, like yourselves or uh, avoiding them getting into that particular situation. So well done on that, Nicole. And, and we'll stay in touch um, regarding... 
uh, the future, I suppose, and the future of drugs and the activity that there is in the drug market in Northern Ireland. But for the moment, uh, thanks for joining us, Nicole, and best of luck with your work in the future. Thank you very much for having me. Thank Take you. Care. That's then Nicole Ryan there from Mill Street, uh, of course, who has founded Alex's Adventure after the death of her own brother, um, uh, which was four years ago, believe it or not now, uh, in Greenmount in the city. Arthur, he took a synthetic drug uh, and now relaying the dangers of drugs to students in schools on why you should not take drugs because that family have first-hand experience of it and she's done some great work over the years. But worrying there to hear, uh, and this is a message for everybody uh, and parents in particular, but for everybody out there, uh, social media apps, you, know, you think you're looking at something innocent, then you click on an, another item and next thing you get either a friend's request or another story comes up and you're offered drugs and depending on the person or what conversation is happening within the school, the offer might come at the wrong time. There's something on that night they're going to. People have mentioned uh, drugs in the past and there's somebody at a crossroads somewhere willing offer, uh, willing openly uh, to sell that person drugs. It's a worry to think how fast you can be offered drugs on social media uh, and it could be as innocent as adding someone on Snapchat or as an advert on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. So I think people have to be really wary of that uh, because you will have, as, as young people uh, will do if you're in your late teens into your early 20s, there will be a, a curiosity there if all your friends are doing something, you want to do it too. And the next thing that this offer is made to you and you want to be part of the so-called gang, uh, that's where the danger is involved. But uh, thankfully, a lot of students are are now knowing the uh, adverse effects of drugs and what damage uh, it can cause and indeed how it can change someone's life totally. As Nicole is outlining there what her family had been through. Anyhow, we thank her for chatting to us this morning. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103 on drugs. And this is a first-hand experience from someone on WhatsApp saying, regarding the discussion on drugs, it is not only a serious crisis in rural Ireland. My granddaughter is in digs with nine other students. She said that it was really worrying to be at home for a fresher's week as most of her housemates were high on cocaine over this period. Her concern was having to deal with a situation that should arise. Parents need to welcome the introduction of random checking of students, as has been suggested in Galway, to prevent further tragedies and to alert them to their own child's problems. Says that particular person on WhatsApp to 0862103103. And there's the reality of it. I mean, her granddaughter in Diggs with nine others. I presume when you say Diggs, it's a house share situation with nine other students. And that would be the case for a lot of Houses which are based uh, in near colleges here in Cork, it would be un- it wouldn't be unreal to have seven or six in a house on some of the bigger houses there on College Road or that area near UCC. Anyhow, this is uh, a person in with nine other uh, students, and she was worried, and she knew a lot of her housemates uh, were on cocaine over uh, the particular period of Freshers' Week. So that's the first-hand experience of it in cocaine, unfortunately, which is very readily available at the moment. Anyhow, thank you for your text on that on WhatsApp. Uh, keep them coming to 86 or call Bernie on 1850-333-103. On the way, Storm Dennis, will it cause havoc over the weekend or is it being met out to be worse than what it is? We'll find out next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And by the way, all day today at C103, we want you to show your love for Westlife. We're giving you the chance of a winning pair of tickets to see Westlife live at Parky Cueve on Saturday, the 29th of August, on every show today here at C103. At some stage between now and one, 
I will play a Westlife song when you hear it you've got to text or WhatsApp us with your details and then if you get a call back from me you could be off to see Westlife in Parky Cueve so I'll play that song between now and one on the show here at C103 same with Nick and Martina across the day here at C103 as we show your love for Westlife who of course play Parky Cueve later this year but Storm Dennis is expected to land over the weekend. Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather joins me. Uh, good morning to you, Alan. Good morning, PJ. And thanks for joining us. First of all, what can we expect over uh, the weekend? There's a lot of various um, uh, news stories going around on websites. Some websites saying we're going to get a bomb cyclone uh, and some saying it's going to be worse than Storm Kira. Is it going to be something similar to what we experienced last weekend? Yeah, probably something along those lines, all right. Very wet and very windy more rainfall this time so rain might be a bit more of an issue and the risk of flooding um, because obviously river levels are elevated also a risk of coastal flooding into Sunday but very strong winds really from early tomorrow morning and the winds will ease off today for a time now with some nice sunshine this afternoon this evening but then from early tomorrow morning very wet very windy and that will continue really through the day tomorrow before finally easing off for a little while and only easing off slightly really on Saturday night. Sunday then we'll see the winds pick up again, um, especially Sunday afternoon and Sunday evening. Now for Cork, there'll probably be as strong as Saturday. It might even be a little bit stronger on Sunday. Um, risk of thundery showers also on Sunday. So unfortunately a very wet and windy uh, weekend. But as you say, there's been a bit of a, I suppose, a kind of headline grabbing um, on, on Storm Dennis. It is going to be what's called a weather bomb in terms of explosive psychogenesis, which is when the pressure of the centre of the storm drops by more than 20 petapascals in 24 hours. But the important part when you mention that is it's heading for Iceland, not Ireland. So the main um, core of this storm is going to track well to the northwest of Ireland over tonight and into tomorrow. But unfortunately then it merges with another low system weakening as it does, but then comes back towards us and comes closer to our north coast on Sunday, which is why we're going to get that second round of strong winds. And really the winds will only start to ease into Monday. Also, PJ, turning bitterly cold again on Sunday. Wind chill is going to make us feel very cold on Sunday and into the early days of next week. But the rainfall should start to ease off and mainly kind of dry with just some showers for the early days of next week. And when you mention winds there, I mean, any idea what wind speeds or what the gusts will be will be like? What Will they be as worse than what we've seen over the last number of storms? Or will we expect uh, gusts of 120 kilometres an hour or more? Certainly on some parts of the West Coast, you will see gusts of up to 120 kilometres an hour, uh, maybe even locally a little bit higher. Further inland, they won't be as strong as, as, as I suppose Brendan was. But you could see gusts of up to 110 kilometres an hour in Cork. And along like Roaches Point, obviously, and, you know, those, those stations down the very south coast could see locally stronger than that. Um, the high-resolution weather models are only really starting to get a hold of, of this storm now. So keep an eye on the forecast. Medair will be issuing weather warnings later this morning. Um, which they've, they've mentioned yellow for most of the areas, but possibly orange then for some coastal counties. So keep an eye on that because... You have to remember, this storm hasn't even developed yet. It doesn't exist, really. It's only starting to form in the Atlantic. So while we do have very good weather forecasted models, it's only really once that storm gets a little bit closer in terms of time frame that we can look at the details and see exactly where the gusts are going to hit and how strong they're going to be.
So until we have further, until it gets nearer, basically, we won't know the exact extent of the storm itself. And then there's reports that once the storm is over, we're going to get cold weather again after that. I mean, have you any idea what's going to happen into early next week about this cold weather reports we're getting? Yeah, so temperatures, as I say, dropping back really quickly from Sunday. Um, so again, we're getting into much cooler air coming out of the Atlantic and being carried across. We're looking at kind of daytime temperatures of, you know, five to six maybe degrees at the most. A risk of frost then at night where the sky is clear. Um, but bitter wind chill as well because the, it's, it, while the winds won't be as severe as a storm, it's still going to be quite windy. And obviously the combination then, as we've seen, with the, the cold air coming from the west with those winds makes it feel bitterly cold. A risk then possibly of some wintry showers on higher ground as well. Now, though it doesn't look like to be too much precipitation for the early days of next week, so there shouldn't be too much in that way, but certainly feeling raw and cold again for the early days of next week. So no chance of snow so early next week? Uh, it doesn't look likely at the moment, apart from maybe on, on some hilltops and mountains, but generally no, not at the moment. And any reason, Alan, we seem to be getting a lot of storms around this time of the year, more than last year maybe, but is there a reason why we seem to be getting a lot of these storms? Um, um, and it's always around February, March we get them now. You, you hear, usually know in America, of, of storm season in some states, but we seem to be getting that here now gradually over the last few years. Yeah, well, I suppose February is, is kind of, you know, it's still a winter month and a lot of people, you know, obviously think spring starts on the 1st of March. From, from weather terms, it is it is a winter month. They, they, we have historically seen some very heavy, some very strong storms in February. Wouldn't be that unusual, but I suppose the conveyor belt of these storms is a little bit unusual and there's very cold air coming out of Canada and then there's much warmer than average air below it in the, in the southern half of the Atlantic and the jet stream then powers it up. So it kind of gets... The difference between temperature is what gives it its real, I suppose. It's, it's where it gets its power from. So we're in this kind of cycle at the moment of the Western Atlantic um, developing these storms and bringing them towards us. So hopefully we get back to where we were at the start of the month with some high pressure building over us and getting some nice settled weather as we start to head towards spring. And no sign after this one disappears. And I know we have the cold spell. Are we expected to get more? Is there more out there in the Atlantic that could hit us? Or is it too early to tell uh, if we're going to get more between now and the end of March where the traditional winter season ends? Yeah, very hard to go beyond next week, really. There is more storms developing in the Atlantic next week, but the majority of them do look to stay away from, from Ireland. So while we, are, we won't have nice settled high pressure hopefully those storms that develop will stay and head towards poor Iceland, which has seen the brunt of them in recent days. But certainly, look, we, we learned from Storm Emma, like, you know, even into the first days of March and even beyond, really, we can see, you know, cold weather and, and very unsettled weather. I mean, I suppose the Storm Darwin that lives in most people's memories from 2014, it was the 12th of February that Storm Darwin hit. So, you know, it's not unusual to get severe storms at this time of the year. And certainly the risk does continue um, into the end of the month and into the early days of March. But for this weekend, anything you might have loose outside around your garden, make sure it's knocked down because uh, it could be knocked over by the winds if we're going to get the high gusts uh, that we might get anyhow across the weekend. Yeah, certainly very wet and very windy. And if anything has become loose from maybe Brendan and Kira, um, I suppose since afternoon, the break in the weather is the best time to get out and secure anything. And also, if you're in a flood-affected area, if you're an area prone to flooding, then be aware of the water levels and keep an eye on them over the weekend. 
that's true and yeah a lot of uh, towns here in Cork have experienced unfortunately flooding over uh, the last number of years now flood relief has helped out so just be aware of that especially businesses who are prone to flooding in, in lower areas of the city as well uh, that could be something that will hit them at the weekend for the moment Alan thanks for joining us and an insight into what could happen for the weekend uh, with, uh, with Storm Dennis hopefully it won't affect us too much anyhow but thanks for joining us uh, this morning Thanks, PJ. Thanks very much. Alan O'Reilly there uh, joining us from Carla Weather. So, yeah, it is going to be windy and wet across the weekend, as he said. The final, uh, I suppose, the strength of those gusts must yet be finalised, but it looks like it will be at around 120k, which uh, is, uh, as you all know, at this stage a damaging gust. But officially, uh, Metairon have a yellow weather warning in place, and that is for damaging gusts and indeed flooding. And it's in from Saturday at 3am until Monday at midday. And there'll be more storm warning warnings across the afternoon and indeed tomorrow if they decide to up that particular warning or not. But whatever happens, anyhow, we we'll let you know first here at C103. And something else that I spotted this morning, and this is coming from the UK, and it's actually a top English cricketer. It's Andrew Freddie Flintoff. And he believes that the GAA players should be paid for their endeavours. He's admitted that he is amazed by the financial setup of the amateur sport. Uh, you may know this guy. He's, I think he's on Top Gear as well. And he is the star of Sky One's League of Their Own. But he was once the highest paid cricketer in England. And he's dipped his toe in GAA waters over the last number of years because he made an appearance alongside hurling legend DJ Carey at a Kilkenny versus Wexford game back in 2018. Now he is called the GAA and indeed the organisation for their players to be paid in an era that he says the GAA is getting big sponsorship deals uh, from a number of companies and also money for broadcasting and the GAA have a number of course um, of rights uh, with a number of broadcast organisations be that Sky uh, be that RTE they had one with Virgin Media they have one uh, with local radio stations whereby only certain local radio stations you know well all local radio stations can uh, can broadcast the games but there there's rights within that uh, as well so with that in mind you know they're, they are making we saw the, the profits the EGA uh, made as well from uh, last year uh, the profits from the, the finals and he is making the point that it's amazing when you look at the setup that players don't get paid but would it be a good thing your view on this I mean would it be a good thing if players got paid is he right should GAA players get paid I mean we know some clubs do help their players out when it comes to medical expenses and that type of thing but uh, should they get some financial reward for playing the game or would that destroy the GAA would it bring it away from the voluntary uh, type of organisation it is it's a very community led organisation if players were going then to be charged uh, or going to be paid for playing would it upset the organisation would it eventually change the whole organisation would it become uh, some would say it's become money mad anyhow but would it get worse your views are welcome on that should GA players be paid uh, because it's something that is coming from the UK uh, Andrew Freddie Flintoff who a lot of people would know from Top Gear and Sky's League of Their Own uh, is he right he played cricket he got big money but he feels GA players should also or would it ruin the game anyhow your views are welcome what do you think pay them 
or don't pay them leave things as it is leave it uh, a type of a community organisation 1850-333-103 or indeed text or whatsapp 0862-103-103 and yes whatsapp text has gone mad but somebody's going to get a call back from me over the next 5-10 to 10 minutes and that person will win a pair of tickets to see Westlife live at Parkett Cueve on Saturday 29th of August but you have to answer a particular question to win that big prize. Stay by the phones. If you have WhatsApp or text in, keep that mobile on your hands. Keep it on the love because I'll give you a ring very shortly. And you, if you get the question right, could be heading along to see Westlife in Parky Cueve. Also, on the way after midday news, we'll be hearing what could be happening with the future of Cork City FC as Preston North End look at a takeover of the club. But how do supporters feel about that? And we're going to the movies with Mark reviewing Dr. Doolittle. 1850-333-103. Bernie takes your comments this afternoon or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 uh, Just getting back to calls and comments discussing the fuel situation we spoke about there earlier on the show and uh, this was why some diesel or petrol stations charge one price others charge another price on that, uh, someone on text, because people were suggesting that you should go and chat to the fuel company owners or to the petrol owners and write to them as well. Well, one person has done that and he says, having spoken to a number of garage and fuel station staff and owners about the prices, I have come to the conclusion that higher prices are used to cover losses due to the number of people driving off without paying for fuel, either deliberately or forgetting. One person in a very busy city outlet said in any given day they could lose about €100 Euro or €200 Euro in fuel and also said fuel has to be paid up front prior to delivery. Typically a load costing can be 60000 with fuel prices changing on a daily basis at times dictating the selling price but it's mad to think that in a busy city petrol station or diesel station that in any given day they could lose up to €200 Euros in fuel because people are either driving off deliberately or else they're just so busy or wound up on their day they forget to pay the fuel. Now you'd wonder, a majority of garages have CCTV cameras so you'd wonder do they go back and track those people? They get the reg numbers I presume from the uh, CCTV. Do they go after the particular person who has driven off, uh, get their reg from the guard or get their details either from the guard or whoever they get them from and chase them? and say come back and pay for your whatever fuel it was if you've got 50 euros of fuel or or 100 euros of fuel pay for that and why should uh, the actual garage lose out because people are filling up and driving off anyhow interesting to see if they do that but interesting to hear that people actually do drive off and the garage can be down 200 to 300 euros of fuel every day and that's just one particular busy outlet in the city Uh, let us know maybe you work in a a garage selling petrol and diesel and it's a regular thing or let us know by accident maybe you have been in a situation whereby you've had a busy day a stressful day at work you're getting home to the children or maybe you've had a stressful day at work collected the children from the childminder or crash you stop on the way home to get petrol or diesel and the children are unhappy you're stressed from work you're trying to deal with them you go and put in the diesel and for some reason you drive off and it's when you're down the road you realise uh oh I didn't pay for the diesel or even 
Uh, it could be later that evening you realise you didn't pay. Has that happened to you? Have you done that? Let us know if that has happened to you or if, if you haven't, uh, not deliberately driven off, but if well, if you have, let us know too. But uh, I would think the majority of people, if they do, they forget. So if you've forgotten to pay for your fuel, how did you deal with that? Have you been in that situation before whereby you were there, you drove off and either later on in the journey or later on that evening, you realised I never paid for my fuel uh, how did you get on with that situation? Have you been there? Let us know. You can text or WhatsApp 86 or call Bernie on 1850-333-103. And on the election, and uh, people annoyed now because uh, Fianna Fáil won't go and talk to Sinn Féin. Sinn Féin still are talking to all the smaller parties, but the numbers aren't adding up. And at the moment, the only thing that would make sense is a grand coalition of Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil, maybe the Greens, or, as we heard yesterday, uh, Leo Varadkar saying if his party numbers were needed for stability in this country, uh, then they would come forward. So could we have something like we had already? I come and supply agreements with Fianna Fáil this time in the driving seat. Anyhow, interesting to hear uh, the, and the various views on that. But Mags is making a point. Uh, she says, JP, I just feel this country now is turning into a dictatorship. We voted for change in this country. That is obvious. But now will we have a situation that it's going to be Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael again? We don't want to go back to that particular scenario, says Megs. Well, at the moment, it's changing every day, though. That's the only thing. Every single morning, uh, there's a new take on what could happen. The only thing is the numbers aren't there. So it's either that you'll have Fianna Fáil in the driving seat and Fianna Gael backing them up you'd either have a grand coalition uh, it's what was what could have happened was Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin with other supporters but that has been ruled out now so uh, where do they go or do we all go back again uh, to the ballot box and, and vote and will that make a difference anyway we'll have to wait and see do people really want to go back again and vote uh, and want all the the scenario of, of voting would have changed things around so much that you would have uh, one party over another that could form a government anyhow uh, let us know your thoughts on that that's Meg's thoughts there on 1850 text or whatsapp 0862 now all day today across all our shows we are asking you to listen out for a Westlife song because we want you to show your love for Westlife. So we're giving you a chance to win a pair of tickets to see Westlife live at Parky Cueve on Saturday 29th of August and it's happening on every show. Just before midday, I played one of Westlife's big hits, Flying Without Wings. And we got a number of texts and WhatsApps about that a particular song. People realised and knew it was Westlife. A lot of Westlife fans listening to us this morning and this afternoon. Uh, but I did say one person will be chosen at random, as I have done just there now when I'm talking. We've picked one person at random. And now we're going to ring that person. And hopefully, hopefully this person... We'll get the answer because there's an answer. Then there's a question here. I'm going to ask a question and I have to take the first answer that they give me. And if they get the wrong answer, we have to go on to someone else. But hopefully that won't happen. Hopefully this person will will get the correct answer. So here we go and see, do they answer? Let's set up the numbers here. Hello? Hi, is this Sarah Barry? Yeah. In Bandon? Yeah. Hi, Sarah. It's uh, JP here at C103. How are you today? I'm not too bad, you? I'm fine, thanks. Now, you were one of many that entered our competition when you heard us playing Westlife Flying yeah. Without Winning. So I presume you're a, a big Westlife fan. 
my mother. She's a big fan as well, is she? Yeah. So would you bring your mother along if you were going to go to Westlife? I would. You would. Yeah. Okay, and what's your mother's name? Teresa. Teresa. So yourself and Teresa would, would go off to Westlife. Right. Uh, the thing now here is first, before we can give you any tickets, you have to answer a question and I have to take your first answer. Is that okay? Yeah. But okay. if you say you're a fan of Westlife, Sarah, you should have no bother with this one. So here we go. Right. Uh, what county does Shane Phelan hail from? Sligo. Oh, <laughs> excellent. I was going to give you two options. I was oh. going to say A, Mayo, B, Sligo, but you're straight in there with Sligo. So well done, Sarah. You were hey. off to see Westlife in Parky Cueve on Saturday the 29th of August. Well done. And we'll be in touch about your tickets Perfect. here. Your mother, Teresa, will be delighted there with you as yeah. well. She's smiling here. Is she? Can, can, you, can she give us a roar? Well, then I give a roar. Yay! <laughs> Very good. Well, I'm Thanks sure you, you look great excitement uh, this afternoon there in the Barry household. You're going yeah. to Westlife uh, in August. Enjoy it. And, and as it is Valentine's Day and we're asking people to show your love for Westlife, any plans for yourself or either your mum for Valentine's Day? Are you doing anything? No, nothing. No one? Just uh, home with the children. Oh, <laughs> you're, you're caught. So no date That's night tonight, love. so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, Thanks. enjoy it, Sarah. Have a great time. Thanks very much. And best of luck. Uh, Sarah thank Barry you. there. Thanks, Sarah. We'll be in touch. Bye. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Sarah Barry, well done. Uh, in Abandon, she has won herself Westlife tickets. Yeah. On 29th of August, it's a Saturday in Parky Cueve. But like Sarah, you could win your way there. Nick Richards and Martina O'Donoghue have tickets across the afternoon. Nick from one, Martina from four. When you hear a Westlife song again on their shows you'll hear it on Nick's show you'll hear it on Martina's show you've got to text in text your name where you are to 0862103103 WhatsApp as well on that number and if you're picked at random and you get a call back you could be like Sarah answer the question correctly and you're off to see Westlife in Parky Cueve so well done uh, to Sarah Barry in band and more ways to win across the afternoon here at C103 on the way we're going to hear how Preston Northins could be looking at Cork City FC for a potential takeover discussing that next and how indeed the supporters because uh, the club Cork City is owned uh, by Forrest who are the supporters of the club how do they feel about the prospect of the club being taken over or does it at this stage need uh, to be taken over financially uh, discussing that next The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork visit corkcoco.ie Mallow United Special Olympics Club will hold a fundraising Valentine's dance in Glantan Community Hall that is going ahead tonight from 9.30 with music to the Marina Band and proceeds from the night go towards funding the Munster team who are taking part in the Special Olympics All-Ireland Floorball Winter Games in Belfast from March. Uh, there'll also be a monster raffle on the night. Carg Navarre will stage A Living Will by Jim Keane in their local community hall and that's opening tonight and running over over two weekends, tickets are available from the May store in Cargnevar, and limited tickets available at the door also on the night. Bingo in Kildallery Community Hall. It's on every Friday night and tonight from 8.30. All are welcome. Clyde Rovers GA. They will hold their weekly lotto draw in Derry Murphy's Bar, and that's going on tonight. This week's jackpot is €4,950. Euros. 
And Barrymore Players Drama Group, they present an extra performance of Cash on Delivery. It's going ahead tomorrow night at 8 o'clock in the Castle Lions Community Centre, proceeds in aid of Father Ferris Community Park and Marymount Hospice. And a senior social will be held in Donneral Golf Club. That's going ahead on Sunday, 23rd of February from 2.30 to 6. Places are limited, so if you want to book your place, do that now. Contact Margaret on 87 685-3898 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Cork Today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 And reports in the Echo Today and other online papers that Cork City's involvement with Preston North End it could extend to a full takeover by the UK club uh, Trevor Welch, sports broker, sir, joins me on this Good afternoon to you Trevor Afternoon, JP. First of all, I mean, there's a lot of, I suppose, interaction with both clubs over the last number of years. We have seen uh, big players from Cork City like Shawnee Maguire going there. So there is a relationship between Preston North End and indeed Cork City. Yeah, there certainly is. I mean, this will be obviously a huge topic of conversation among the Cork City fans uh, when City get their new season on the way against Shelburne uh, at Thomas Cross tonight, uh, JP. Uh, you know, my understanding of the deal with, with Preston was made because the club requ- required a, a cash injection to settle revenue debt, uh, I think, uh, by my figures, close on €100,000 in order to get a licence, really, for the season. Because there was, uh, there was a doubt at one stage whether Cox City would get a licence to play in the new season. They have to get their um, cash flow sorted. So in order to get a licence for the, the season to play in the league, it appears that the club were kind of forced into a deal which is reported to be around the €500,000 mark, not 500000 sterling, but €500,000 is what I'm, what I'm told. So that means that, uh, you know, they, they've agreed to the cancellation of the sell-on clauses as such that were included in the transfer deals of the Republic of Ireland International's former Cork City players, as you mentioned, Adam Brown and Sean Maguire, uh, who Preston signed from City a number of years ago. Adam Brown in particular is having a, a tremendous season, JP, for uh, Preston. And the, the thing now is that, you know, if, if Brown was sold on, if Preston don't get to the Premier League a promotion this season, then, you know, Brown could be certainly a wanted man by a number of uh, Premier League clubs uh, with some, some, some figure in the region around £10 million. So that means that, by my figures, Cork City could lose out on, on a million euro, especially, you know, if um, Sean Maguire were to go as well. They could lo- lose out on a bit more, uh, 10% of the sell-on clause. So, yeah, you, you spoke about the relationship. There's a big relationship with the club, and, and the talk is that, you know, that um, Preston... Uh, officials who are in Cork uh, this week uh, could uh, talk about a possible, uh, you know, um, investment in the club going forward. And is Cork City itself, is it in financial trouble? Does it need investment? Would this be the best way forward for the club? Um, <clears throat> well, you know, the, the Forest Board meeting is uh, is on in around three weeks' time and, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be very interesting what comes out of that. There was talk about there could be an emergency uh, meeting, um, you know, obviously it, it's well known, like w- w- with the season they had last year, JP, uh, financially, they're going to miss out in Europe now. Um, the gates fell last season, uh, the revenue debt. So it's, it's all building up and it, it's hard to see Cork City, you know, in the current situation qualifying for Europe. European money is, is huge to League of Ireland clubs. So, you know, it could, it could be, you know, a possibility down the road, I think, to talk about maybe some kind of investments. I'm not sure what the board will come up with, but it'll be interesting to see. You know, 
uh, Trevor Hemmings is the uh, billionaire owner of Preston JP, and you, you probably know that he owns um, Tobogan Village in East Cork, and he is a, a stud farmer as well in Cantrux. So he's huge, strong uh, Cork connections, and um, I'm sure you know along the road he, he'd like to talk further to Cork City about uh, you know possibility of uh, having um, some uh, stronghold on, on Cox City Football Club remains to be seen. But, but there was talk about it. You might remember a similar uh, situation going back a few years, AJP, with Leicester City and Reading, who were interested in, in, in you know, in a partnership of some deal with Cox City. That didn't come to fruition. So it'll be just interesting to see what comes out of this. You mentioned the supporters there in the Forest meeting. I mean, how do you think uh, supporters, especially those supporters who are within Forest and Forest owns the club, how will they see this this particular deal? Because it looks like Cork City either needs investment or it does need to be taken over. I mean, would they rather things stay as they are or is it time to face reality? I think um, a percentage, a big percentage would want to to stay, stay as it is, but you know that that might be feasible. I mean, you know, they, they made this move. Obviously, it was Cork City who forced the meeting because they were in, in dire straits of, of money to get a license to, you know, to play in the league. So, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit of a situation where if Cork City, um, you know, don't get investment, well, then there's there's a chance that they, they might have have uh, the necessary uh, finance in place to. Uh, to be able to take part in the League of Ireland, you know, so it's um, it, it's an interesting one. Um, you know, the season kicks off uh, tonight, as you know, um, and uh, I'll have live updates uh, from Turners Cross for Cox ninety six FM and interviews after for the score on Sunday. So it's going to be interesting to see what the you know I'll get a few of the views tonight from the Cox City fans, and uh, we'll probably learn more. But um, I think if if they could avoid uh, going into partnership, I suppose with an investor they would avoid it but it may be unavoidable yeah that's the thing it may be unavoidable and I'm sure many supporters could see why they need to look at a financial alternative at this stage if this club itself isn't making money now rather than lose Cork City FC uh, have this investment because even though if a club is going to come in and take it over it wouldn't change the name it would be everything would remain as it was it would just be owned and controlled from Preston but things wouldn't change overnight by way of branding or anything uh, you wouldn't lose the Cork City name uh, and, and that would remain but at least you'd have the financial backing because Trevor as you look at the FEI and the way that things are there at the moment I mean they've had to be mm. bailed out by the government they don't have the financial money so they can't come down and help Cork City so somebody has to yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, I read as well there recently that, um, you know, if there was an investment coming in from Preston, I mean, your man, um, what's his name, Peter, Peter Ridgedale is, is a shrewd operator at JP, you know, he's the former Leeds United chairman. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure he thinks he's got a good deal here. We're giving Cork City 500,000 and, and therefore uh, scrap the sell-on clauses for, for the likes of Brown and, and, and Maguire. Um, you know, I suppose it's easy for me to sit here and say they could hold on, but maybe they can hold out, you know. Um and I, and I think the deal would be that if they did have some investment, I'm sure um, Cork City would have, you know, current board members stay stay on the, the board of management there as well that, and and still have a big percentage of it. I think that would be, you know, the way forward that if they need, needed injection, a cash injection from the likes of Preston, that they would remain, you know, a few board members would, would, would be in place uh, with, with, with 
for us, you know. And what about you? I mean, you're, you're a big uh, supporter of Cork City over the years. A lot of yourself and other sports journalists would be, uh, from your point of view and a sporting journalist's point of view and a supporter, I suppose, more so of Cork City, would you rather just see a cash investment and maybe them own a share of the club? Or would a full takeover be the only way to keep a city in the league and keep it as it is? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I, I think that... Um you know, they mightn't be left with any other choice than to have some kind of investment into the club. Running a League of Ireland club, uh, JP, as you know, is, is is a massive business. I think at one stage when Cork City won the double, what was their wage bill? It was something like, was it over £2 million to run the club? Mm. Um, you know, obviously there's restrictions in place now. And, um, you know, but um, and without the European money, which is which is massive to any League of Ireland club, they could, they could struggle, you know. Obviously, you know they've been they've been hit bad this year with the with the revenue and the, the falling of the gates. Let's hope that you know the city fans now listening to this will come out and support in the season, bring the numbers up, which is usually important. But I think that in time, maybe cash investment um, uh, of some sort uh, is is probably the, the the best way forward. And if there was a full takeover, Preston North End come in and fully take over the club, do you think fans and supporters like yourselves would be saddened at that? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think definitely, yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to get the reaction, you know, from City fans. But, yeah, I think I think it would be, be saddened about it. I mean, League of Ireland clubs in Cork have a history of, um, you know, going out of football. And, you know, a couple of years back, there was uh, a strong chance the City would, would go to football. And the way they bounced back has been a credit, really, to, to Forrest, who came in uh, after City won promotion uh, to the top flight again from the First Division. And, uh, you know, it was it was in good hands. Um, it looked very solid on and off the pitch when City were competing with Dundalk for the league titles and winning the FEA Cups. And things seemed to be good financially. Um, they were able to, to sign really good players and were qualifying for Europe year after year for, was it, four years running? But, uh, you know, it, it's just sad that um, we have a history of Cork Soccer League of Ireland teams going out of, going out of football. But hopefully, you know, things will turn around this year. Uh, it's a young Cork City team. Um, they'll be able to, to prove a point. They've signed a lot of players on loan. Uh, you know, it looks, it looks promising enough, I think. And if Cork City can compete for Europe again this season, things will, will, will hopefully start to turn around again. And briefly, tonight, how do you think they will do against Shelburne? Yeah, Shelburne up in the top flight again for the first time in seven years, JP. 2013 is the last time they competed in the top flight. It's always a huge fixture. Cork City and Shelburne, a huge rivalry going back to years. And it's always been close, you know, and it's always a hard game. But I think with City at home, fans behind them tonight, uh, I'd be expected Cork City to come out on top because it's a really tough start for the defence side. They're away to Rovers next and then away to Dundalk. So I think it's crucial that they get a good start and get, you know, the fans behind them play good football and, uh, you know, hopefully they'll get the job done tonight and to secure the three points. I think it won't be easy. It'll be a tight game, I think. Very cagey match. No one wants to lose their opening match of the season, JP. And I think, you know, that uh, City will be slight favourites and I, and I fancy them to just, just about come out on top and get the three points and off to a winning start. OK, well, we'll see what happens uh, later on, of course. We'll be watching closely what happens with the future investment uh, at Cork City and, indeed, uh, that potential takeover. For the moment, Trevor, thanks for chatting to us this afternoon. That's Trevor Welsh there, a sports broadcaster and, of course, commentator with Virgin Media Television on what could be a takeover line for Cork City from Preston. I just want to mention something uh, that came into us earlier on the Air Ambulance. 
uh, was mentioned when we were speaking and discussing about Bantry Hospital. Well, there is an air ambulance fundraiser taking place and it's taking place on Sunday 23rd of February at the Star Tracks Music Venue. That is uh, on the Boherbuit and Knocknagree Road and dancing from 2.30 to 5.30 with Laura Dunley and Pat Daly. Tickets are €10 Euros and they're available from the door or indeed local outlets again. Uh, that's on Sunday twenty. Yeah, Sunday 23rd of February, Star Tracks Music Venue, and it's for the Air Ambulance Service Fundraiser. Again, they're based on the Boherbui to Knocknagree Road. Uh, if you want to support the Air Ambulance, you can go along to that. A lot of fundraisers for that, of course, uh, over the last few weeks. So now, uh, Mark Malone is in very shortly because we're going to review Dr. Doolittle. Mixed reviews on this. What did Mark think of the film? Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 And as usual, heading to the movies for our Friday, joined by Mark Malone. Afternoon to you, Mark. Hello, Jumpo. Now, you went off to see Dr. Doolittle. First of all, here's the trailer. Dr. Doolittle. You can talk to animals. Yes. This is going to be good. Only one movie has sentimental squirrels. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> Ditsy Ducks. Forceps, please. Here you go. That's a piece of celery. Bushy Polar Bears. Step away from the light. There is no light. I'm alive. And a man who understands them all. Hello, Daddy. Hello, lunch. Doolittle. Now, Mark, this morning I was chatting to Simon on breakfast and his mm. first thing was, I wonder what Mark thought <laughs> of this. Uh, the reviews haven't been in their favour and Robert Downey Jr., who is, I mean, has been in a number of movies and always performed fairly well, uh, you would have thought that even with him in it, it would have got good reviews. So, everybody waiting, what is Mark Malone's thought of Dr. Doolittle? Do you know, I'm, I, I, I could sit here and slate it and say it is terrible, mm. and it is, but actually, <laughs> do you know do you know my... my prime response when I was watching it was was depression and I just felt really sad watching it that you know they spent all of this money on this movie and it is so terrible and it's such a shame because so so much of it looks beautiful I mean this is the best thing about it is the, the, the cinematography and there are times when it looks like a really really old-fashioned movie when they use practical effects and then they ruin it with kind of handheld cameras and CGI and then this terrible script. And it's just, and I, I just, I got kind of depressed watching it. I really did. I mean, I love Robert Downey Jr. I always have since very early on in his career, yeah. career from like films like Weird Science. And I've always liked him. But here he is absolutely terrible in this movie. And for some reason, he decided that Doolittle should have this Welsh accent, this really weird, odd accent, which is a terrible, terrible version. I mean, don't, I mean even in Sherlock Holmes, when he was really, really good, his English accent, I didn't think was very good. But he was so good in it um, that you didn't really mind. But he here and it seems to be overdubbed now you get the impression that the film was actually made back in 2018 and so the reason why there was a, such a delay is that because of poor audience kind of responses to it initially they went back and they reshot an awful lot of it but they obviously didn't reshoot with uh, Robert Downey Jr obviously they re-recorded a lot of new material for this film so very rarely does he actually look and deliver his lines to camera you hear his lines off camera or as he's walking away or um, as his head is turned. So therefore, he's not giving a performance to camera throughout a lot of the film. And because of that, it just doesn't work. It's just odd and it's just weird. And 
You know, it's it, the, the film. I mean, cost 175 million to make, so the budget was there, and they obviously decided, well, if we have this budget, not only can we get Robert Downey Jr., but we'll get all the animals to to have um, voices voiced by huge stars. We'd be here all day mentioning the stars. You know, Emma Thompson, John Cena, Tom Holland, Selena Gomez, Ray Fiennes. There are so many of them, but they actually don't really add to the characters of the um, of the animals in the films. And part of the reason why is because the script really isn't very good. Because every time you you you, you switch to an animal, a CGI'd animal, you wait for this and you expect the animal to say something interesting or funny, and they don't. And in fact, the film is so manic and so crazily kind of directed to try and give it a, uh, give it energy. You can't understand what a lot of the animals are saying throughout uh, the film either, which is a terrible shame. So the whole thing is a terrible, terrible mess. And you do wonder of the 175 million budget, how much went to Robert Downey Jr. Because when he made it, he had just come off Iron Man, he had just come off you know uh, some of the biggest movies ever made, and so therefore you know that you know he'd probably got about 50 million down and then gets like 20% of the cut of whatever it makes so therefore the film to try and make any kind of profit would have to make about a half a billion dollars which it hasn't done in any way shape or form and it's done okay it's, it's got it like I think it's got I think it's done about 165 million worldwide which isn't bad but it needs to quadruple that to try and uh, um, make any kind of a proper profit and it is such a shame because when this as I say when the effects are practical there's some lovely scenes around Buckingham Palace which are beautiful and you can see the the budget there and then, and then as I say they, they then switch it to really bad CGI'd animals which is a terrible shame and yeah and I'm 20 minutes in but you know I, was, I saw it with a teenager and she said you know Robert Downey's accent is giving me a headache and I said this film is giving me a headache and I was actually quite depressed because it could have been so much better I'm old enough to remember I went to the cinema to see Rex Harrison in the 1967 version and I remember and I remember enjoying it and liking it um, and watching Rex Harrison kind of you know, talk, sing, like, like, like he used to do. And in fact, there are times in this film it looked as beautiful as the original film, even though it wasn't that great. Back in the 90s, of course, we had two versions from Eddie, uh, Eddie Murphy. The first one was okay. The second one was a bit of a cash grab. So I don't think it was that. I think, you know, people call this an unnecessary remake, and I think that's true. But it is a, it's, it's an awful mess, and it's a terrible shame. And as you say, it's such a big movie, and known, the story is known by so many people that they would do this the wrong way. I mean, it's, it's something we all know. We all mentioned Dr. Doolittle. We all know what it's about. We all know the storyline. Uh, what went wrong? I mean, you mentioned the, uh, the 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 money was there. You had the actors and actresses. Where did it go wrong? I mean, if, if you're looking at this and feeling sad, that's not good. Well, they brought in a new director as well, and they brought in other new writers to try and to try and improve the script. So the script was obviously, you know, the problem. So you do wonder just how bad the original film was if this is what they actually kind of hmm. so-called improved upon, and they didn't in any way, shape, or form. I mean, the story is is that um, he is this kind of recluse because his wife used to be this adventurer who has gone missing, so therefore he's kind of cut himself away from the world. The Queen Victoria is ill-played here by the Irish actress uh, Je- Je- uh, Jessie Buckley and they call Robert Downey Jr. in who is this, this kind of physician to kind of try and heal her she realises that the only way that um, uh, he can save her is to travel to the other side of the world and find this healing tree um, to um, find a cure for her a- uh, ailment and so you think okay there's going to be this amazing journey and it never really happens. Nothing really exciting happens, which is a terrible shame. Antonio Banderas arrives in the film and it looks like he's in a completely different film because my first thought was maybe 10-year-olds would like it. It's like he stepped off this incredibly horrible, violent kind of horror movie and was in a completely different film. It's very, very odd. And then you have this really, really weird scene with this constipated dragon <laughs> who, uh, who Robert Downey Jr. heals by pulling bagpipes out of its backside. 
What? It's in the trailer, by the way, so I'm not kind of that giving that away. This is the level of the humor. This is the level of that that they came up with. It's it's just extraordinary. But and it's a shame because it is so dull and so boring, even though it looks amazing, and that's a shame. Yeah, and obviously the, the what you say looks amazing. Everything around and being filmed is good, but it's just the way they they portray the storyline, which is, as you say, it's an old movie. We all know the storyline. It's a pity they they didn't get it right. Uh, and it's a storyline very much like what we all know of Doctor Doolittle. Does it get on the same type of road? Well, yeah, he can talk yeah. to the animals. You yeah. know, what's interesting as well is that I think uh, Emma Thompson references very very early on that uh, it was at a time when people had respect for animals, unlike now. But okay. actually, Robert Downey Jr. has very little respect for the animals that uh, he has in his care. For example. There's a scene where he, where birds come along and put a, a jacket on him, and actually my teenager went, "Oh, Cinderella!" Uh, he plays chess with with mice. He has very little respect for the animals <laughs> under his care. In fact, he doesn't treat them at all well. Uh, whoever wrote this thing really should uh, be taken out and, um, no, and slapped. It's a pity yeah. because it is something that everybody knows the storyline too. And if it looks good but doesn't all come together good, uh, it is the pity, especially for the money uh, out of ten. The cinematography is lovely and mm. I'll give two points, uh, two marks to uh, the cinematographer. So just two. <laughs> two out of ten. It's just going for the, the cinema to, side of it. It's lucky to get two. So two out of ten for Dr. Doolittle. Uh, yeah, that isn't... Uh, yeah, I wonder how it is making money because every review of that has been bad. Anyhow, uh, two out of ten for Dr. Doolittle. Let's move on. you got streaming on DVD, 47 metres down, uncaged. Now, uh, when you give the title to this, it obviously means someone is down under sea or underground. What's this about? Uh, it's a sequel to a, a film that came out about, um, I think it's 2017, directed by Johan Roberts, who's an, an English director. And it was this kind of small little kind of semi kind of horror film. And uh, it, it was made very cheaply for about five million, I think, dollars. And it ended up making 70 million dollars. And it was really, really quite good. It's about these two girls who go underwater. You know, these shark cages that people get into yeah, kind of view yeah. cages. The, 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 the cage breaks and ends up on the seafloor 47 metres down. From then on, any kind of uh, rules of diving just are thrown out the window and, and it becomes complete nonsense but had an, the occasional scare made a lot of money so obviously they went back to the director and said look what do you want to do and he went let's just do it all over again and let's in fact let's reference the, the title of the first film even though it's got nothing to do with this film they're not 47 metres down in any way shape or form they're about 10 metres on, 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 you know, uh, underwater and there's no cage uh, this time basically it's about these four girls <clears throat> who go diving in Mexico because they hear that there's this submerged um, Mayan city underwater so they go diving um, one of them hits a wall the, the wall caves in so therefore they are underwater in all of these caves and they've got to try and find their way through the labyrinth of all these kind of very eerie and claustrophobic kind of caves uh, to try and get out once they're down there they realise they're not alone they're in fact uh, accompanied by these huge sharks now the thing is that because the sharks have been submerged in darkness they have they're blind. They have no uh, sight. So therefore, what that basically does is it gives the director the chance to have these sharks kind of attack these girls, but not know where these girls are. So you've got a, so you've got a lot of these kind of near misses, which happen over and over and over again. But are they good? Do they kind of jump you on your seat if you're watching it? Well, this is the problem. I mean, one of the criticisms of the film is that uh, yes, I mean, you know, it has a lack of scares, but the, but there is kind of suspense, and that's where the director is actually very good. He was actually very good with that with the first film. I mean, the first film was actually quite difficult to watch sometimes, but it was 
but it, it was one of those movies that are so bad it's good this is so bad it's bad unfortunately it doesn't really really quite work they also they wear these kind of um, face masks over their faces but their ears are actually free uh, you know so therefore they're underwater but yet they can communicate and talk and hear each other so it's almost like again they kind of nobody kind of, surely they had divers you know on set to help them surely at least somebody would have said well how can they hear each other if the masks aren't over their ears and their ears are in water so it's this kind of nonsense and this happens over and over and over again and there are occasions when it's kind of interesting there are occasions when uh, you know um, uh, it's kind of fun um, the, the sharks are, are badly CGI'd I mean that's a, that's poor and that's a shame the other event, thing of interest is that the film stars Sistine Stallone who is Sylvester Stallone's daughter oh, okay and she's not very good but the other three Isn't girls she? but the other three girls are good Okay. Which, which okay. isn't, unfortunately. Uh, I didn't realise one of his um, you know, his daughter went into the same uh, kind of school as he, he's gone to, uh, following in the dad's footsteps uh, yeah. of movies. Has he a son as well that's involved in movies? That I don't know. I think one of his sons is. Anyhow, um, so she's one of the, the names that we can associate. Any other big names there? Uh, no. No, it's uh, they made it cheaply again. They've actually, well, when I say cheaply, they doubled the, um, uh, the 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 cost of the first film, which I think was made for about five. They spent about ten here, and it's it's made money again. It's made about sixty million. So oh, wow. look, there is uh, people out, and there are people out there who uh, who like this kind of thing. Unfortunately, no, what I would say to people is forget this one and go and watch the original, which actually isn't is half decent. Right. Out of ten, how would you uh, put two this? again? Unfortunately, two again. Yeah. Oh, it's not a good week this week. Two out of ten for forty-seven meters down, uncaged. Um, do you know the the first one, the, the, the first uh, film of that, what was it's, it called? It's called 47 Metres Down. Oh, that was it, and this one is uncaged then? Yeah. All right. Because okay. there's no cages in it. And it's <laughs> That's how clever this film is. And they can walk around and talk in water and everything. <laughs> well exactly. done to them. And Mark, thank you for that. Two out of ten not great ratings this week. Back again next week. Mark Malone with our movie review. Well, three, just a few final comments. First of all, on the speed van to Eamon in North Cork feels it's a lot more important to put reflectors on phone poles and bridges to improve visibility at night and on trees also. He says they need to be cut back on the roadsides. That's better road safety than maybe all the new speed vans on the election Vincent in Newmarket says we need another election and Sinn Féin could put up more candidates and finish off Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael because that is what the people wanted and Willie in Yall says if there is another re-election well then who will have to pay for it that's some of your calls and comments so thank you for all of those across the morning and indeed across the week and my thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced Nick Richards is along next he's playing more of Cork's greatest hits and he's turning up the feel good from one as is Martina and they will play a Westlife song. You could be going along to Westlife, that from one, and we'll chat to you on Monday morning. Enjoy your weekend. I'm John Paul McNamara.